This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. I personally don't engage in many rituals. Oh, this past weekend, I fasted for Yom Kippur, and a friend asked me why I fast. The earnest response I came up with was, I think I fast for my mom. My whole family is Jewish, but my mom brings a lot of the ritual to our family. This week's story from Ali Drum is steeped in the rituals we do to connect with our family, even when they're no longer with us. Recorded live at Twisted Hippo in Chicago in October 2019, Second Story is proud to present We Don't Pay Attention. My parents' wedding album lives in my childhood bedroom. A collection of five by seven photographs are bound neatly in a white leather book, and as a child, I kept it in a place of honor on my bookshelf, nestled perfectly between my collections of Dear America books and the series of unfortunate events. (laughs) I don't understand why my parents left a priceless sentimental item in the care of their eight-year-old, but I am glad that they did because I loved turning through the photos. My favorite photo in the wedding album was a close-up of my mother with both of my grandmothers. On the right, my mom's mom was smiling and pretending to pin or fix something. And on the left was my dad's mom caught mid-conversation and beaming at my mother. It's my dad's mom, my grandma Rose, that I'm most drawn to. Sitting cross-legged on the cream carpet of my childhood bedroom, I lean forward in front of the bookshelf as I place the book on the floor. I run my fingers over the image protected by its plastic album sleeve, and I trace the color detail of my grandmother's very 70s blue chiffon dress. My grandmother, Rosetta Tucker Drum, nicknamed Rose, died almost 10 years before I was born, but I've spent my entire life hearing about her. My middle name is Rose, after her. Uh, I inherited her round face, her high forehead, and we have the same hair that frizzes up when it air dries. I grew up playing her piano for almost 15 years, and I know that she loved music. She was the kind of person who could hear a song and then immediately sit down and play it. To be clear, I have never met this woman, but I have enough family anecdotes to feel like I know her and to see the parts of her that clearly live on in me. It's early March 2018, and I'm walking into my friend Ronnie's apartment in Wicker Park. Ronnie and I have been friends since high school, where we participated in enough wholesome activities like choir, AP classes, the annual musical, to distract the adults in our lives from the less wholesome teenage shenanigans. Ronnie and I go back almost 13 years at this point, and I trust her implicitly, which is why, in a bag slung over one shoulder, I'm walking into her apartment with one of my most prized possessions, a vintage 1972 Parker Brothers mystifying Oracle Ouija board in the original box. And look, I know the horror movie narrative is that Ouija boards are beacons for the demonic and a surefire way to get possessed, and if that narrative sparks joy for you, awesome, but that's not what we're here for. Ronnie and I are not new to spooky, ghosty communication with our dead loved ones. This is not our first Ouija rodeo. So that's why I'm a little nervous, but not actually scared. As I carefully unpack the board from the original box, I set it gently on the coffee table. Ronnie and I sit on the floor and we join hands across the table. A deep breath in, and we begin. Dear universe, thank you for the blessing of bringing us together. Thank you for the gift of time, of ritual, and of friendship. 
We wish now to use this board to speak only to those that we have loved and lost or those that who might walk beside them. We release our hands and gently place our fingertips on the planchette. I take the lead for this session, and so I repeat, we wish to speak to those that we have loved and lost. It's quiet. There's a soft rattle from the radiator in the other room. We wait, and my fingers are tense as I'm careful not to put any weight on the planchette. We've never had a problem making contact before, but I'm nervous. Like, what if it doesn't work out this time? There's usually at least one or two other people with us, so maybe it doesn't work with just the two of us. So I try again. Is anyone here that might speak with us? We wait. Somewhere down the street, a siren blares. And then we hear one of the candles crackle. The planchette does a soft, counterclockwise swirl. Ronnie and I both lift and return our fingers to the planchette, careful to make sure that neither of us is accidentally moving the piece. We exchange a brief look, and then we're back to the board. Is someone with us? With a slow swoop, the planchette glides our fingers over to the top corner of the board, near the picture of the smiling sun and the word, yes. Is this someone that either Ronnie or I know? The planchette moves slowly away and then back to yes. I breathe in and out. I look at Ronnie. I already know this is not going to be one of our usual Ouija sessions. The friends that we usually talk to feel different than this. And when you're speaking to somebody, you can tell who it is. The, the energy shifts, the way the planchette moves with each person, and you know. And I knew. Is this my grandmother, Rosetta? Are you here with us? An immediate swerve to yes. Ronnie and I exchange looks again, and she nods at me. Take it away. I felt electric, but determined not to get carried away too soon. First, a confirmation question. What is the first initial of my father, your oldest son? A beat. And then the planchette moved to D. D for Doug, my father. We reset the planchette to the middle of the board, and I say, did you used to play with me when I was little? A steady straight line to yes. I knew it. You know those creepy stories about little kids who talk to their dead relatives or they see them, but they've never met them and like nobody's ever told them about them? That was me. So I am thrilled at this validation and I desperately want to know more, but I can't decide what I want to ask her. So instead I sit staring at the board and frozen between feeling overwhelmed and elated. And I get so emotional that I'm feeling kind of unable to formulate a simple question for all of the things that I want to know about her. And the planchette begins to move without my prompt. M U S I C music. I know you used to play the piano. Everyone says you could hear a tune and then immediately sit down and play it. A confident, yes. I played your piano growing up, yes. Did you ever used to sit with me while I played? A very soft circle out towards the middle of the board before returning to, yes. I could cry at her answer. The planchette then circled back towards the letters in the middle of the board and spelled out L-A-L-A. L-A. La la la, I asked. It's music, Ronnie chimed in. I think she's singing. Yes, from the board. I take a few breaths before finally saying, everyone says we would have really gotten along. I've barely finished the sentence when the planchette whips across the board to yes. I believe her. 
Last December, my immediate family and I spent the holidays together in Louisiana. My brother is in the Air Force, and with the unpredictability of military schedules, my fiance, my parents, and I trekked down to his Air Force base in Bossier City, Louisiana, to spend Christmas with my brother's family. My brother's family had only recently moved to Louisiana, and each member of the family shows off something new about their new home. Uh, my brother takes us to the meat shop where he buys the alligator he's going to grill for dinner. Uh, my niece and nephew want to go to the Bass Pro Shop uh, to, for the sole purpose of seeing the outside gator pond, and it's unclear if they've connected that their gator friends are also our dinner. My sister-in-law shows us the beauty of Louisiana's lax liquor laws, a small convenience store nicknamed Daiquiri Express, where the employees fill to-go cups with premixed daiquiris out of slushy machines. And to qualify as a closed container, the shop tapes the plastic lid shut to the styrofoam cup, and they're not allowed to put the straw into the cup for you. So we pick up a few large daiquiris to have later as we open Christmas Eve presents. A few hours later, in a daiquiri Christmas haze, I survey the new toy chaos that's erupted on the living room floor between my niece and nephew. I scan across the rest of the open floor plan over to the kitchen, and I see my dad sitting at the kitchen table. A voice so clear through the boozy fog says, tell him. <laughs> Absolutely not. I am... <laughs> very drunk, and it's Christmas, so this is not the time to tell my father that I've been chit-chatting with his dead mom. Tell him. The Ouija story starts spinning in my head, and every time I look over at my dad, it seems to pick up speed. It is, after all, his mother. Emboldened by the daiquiri and the confident voice in my head, I walk over to the kitchen table. My dad starts in on some story or observation, and I wait for a break in the conversation to finally ask him, have you ever used a Ouija board? <laughs> no, but I've uh, heard of them. <laughs> you remember my friend Ronnie from high school? Yeah. She and I did it a few months ago and I talked to Grandma Drum. My mother? Yeah. Uh, what'd she say? I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Literally, what am I doing? It's Christmas Eve, and I'm telling my father that I've talked to his dead mother, and the Ouija experience suddenly felt too big and too personal and too much, and I can't tell how he's feeling about it, and so I don't know whether to lean in or like play it cool, and oh my god, I've had too much daiquiri, but it is too late now. So I prattle my way through the story, and honestly, I don't remember exactly what details I told him, except she spelled out music. To his credit, he sat there very calmly, uh, fingers intertwined as his arms stretched out on the table. He nodded, and the only comment I really remember him making is to validate that, yes, we probably really would have gotten along. A few months later, my parents and my fiancé and I are together again eating brunch when my dad turns to me and says, So, uh, you done any of that Ouija board lately? I shake my head, instantly embarrassed that he remembered my drunken confession, and my brain starts shrieking with, oh my god, please don't bring this up right now, how can I change the subject? And just as I'm shooting help me eyes at my fiancé, my dad continues, you know I meant to tell ya. And my dad describes his own story about his mother. August 22, 1981, my parents had recently bought their first home together, and it was finally moving day. That morning, my mom headed over to the new house to start setting things up. My dad finished his morning routine a little later, and as he was walking out the front door towards the car, he heard his mom call out from the inside, I'm so sorry, Dougie. Oh, it's okay, Mom, he reflexively replied, and then stopped. His mom had been in the hospital for weeks with late-stage breast cancer. 
He turned around to look back at the empty house. Who was I talking to? He got into the car and waited to see if he could hear anything else. Nothing. So we started the car and drove off to the new place where my mother was waiting to tell him that she had just gotten a phone call. His mother had died. I'm stunned. My dad had had this spooky story for years and he's been holding out on me? I've been a weirdo spooky girl for years and he could have told me I've been censoring my weirdness and we could have bonded, so I'm pumped and I need every single detail right now. So he went on. The day before she died, he had taken a trip to the hospital to see her. At this point, he knew that his mother was going to die and so the major memory that sticks with him from that visit is that she was breathing so hard and fast. And a thought perfectly crystallized in his head as he watched her that sometimes maybe our bodies are dead, but our spirits aren't ready to give up yet. I stared at him as he finished. We don't pay attention. I think we all hear or see or experience things, but we just don't pay attention. That day at the house, I think she was trying to tell me that she was sorry for leaving, that she was sorry she couldn't be there. But the truth is she's always been there. She was there for my parents' new house, for my childhood piano playing. She's there every time we continue family traditions or every time I wear her jewelry. She's there just beside us when I talk to my great uncle, her brother, and in his dementia, he calls me Rose. And I like to think that she's been looking for us just as hard as we've been looking for her. On the floor of my childhood bedroom, eight years old and clutching my parents' wedding album, I stare at my grandma Rose in my favorite photograph. I feel a pang for this woman I've never met who died before I was born and yet I feel like I know her. So I whisper out loud to the photo, I wish I had known you. The words have barely left my mouth and I feel two hands gently grab each of my shoulders. I immediately know my grandma Rose has snuck up behind me. It's not the first time, she's actually very good at this. I feel her kneel down, shifting her weight from my left shoulder to the right as she brings each knee to the floor behind me. I should be startled, but I feel so calm that I close my eyes as I feel her leaning in to kiss the back of my head. This story was produced by Casey Truba, curated by Deb Lewis and Margaret Marion, and directed by Liz Rice, with music and sound design by Jeff Schaller. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, Jeffrey and Joan Goldwater, Katie and Peter Hauser, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.